Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of In Bloom Podcast or welcome back. My name is Abby Aslan and I'm the host of this podcast. I am so excited for this week's episode. We're going to be talking about the secret to unlocking more effective self-improvement and this is something that I think is going to be so hopefully easily digestible and applicable for pretty much anyone listening. I definitely am spinning this from a mid-20s, always feeling like you're in a crisis type of way, but even if you're not in your 20s yet or if you're out of your 20s already, I think that this can be so helpful because I think we all strive to achieve a certain level of self-approvement or to always be doing something to be improving ourselves. And sometimes it can just really feel like this endless cycle of running on a hamster wheel and not really getting anywhere. And I had, I've been having a lot of epiphanies lately. Oh my gosh, I just had another one. I feel like it's because I'm about to be 25. Do y'all think that that's what it is? Because my prefrontal cortex is like finally actually worth something and clicking into place. Do y'all think that's why I have like an epiphany every week and I'm having all these radical discoveries about myself and why things have not made sense to me in the past and now I'm like, oh, that's why I'm the way I am and stuff. Or is it just from me like going to therapy and learning more about myself? I don't really know. But it's so funny because I always see TikToks of people saying when they turn 25, literally like the day of or around the day of, they literally feel their brain just like morph into something new basically. Um, And I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case because... Lord knows my head needs some help, Um, but I'm really excited for this week's episode nonetheless. So let's go ahead and get started with the quotes um, this week and my favorite. I'm going to do a favorite instead of a goal this week and my gratitude. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So my quote this week comes from Pinterest and I really like it because I love thinking, reframing my mindset on success and achievement. And you all know this because it's something I've been trying to undo for the last year is how I'm always so inclined to do things for the way they look to other people. And a lot of that turns into me pursuing things and trying to achieve things that I don't really care about. So I really like this quote and it says, what if your markers of success were how well you slept at night, how many books you read, how easily you laughed, how much time you spent storytelling, feeling warm in the arms and homes of people you adore. And I just love this because, oh man, it's so exhausting, always defining success as these you know, certain job titles or having a certain amount of money in your bank account or a certain number of followers or whatever it may be, all of these worldly things. But I think things like this truly are successful in and of themselves, but we just really tend to neglect them because they aren't as flashy and shiny as a lot of those other accolades are. And I just really want to more than anything in this back half of my 20s and really for the rest of my life, just 
try my best to reframe my mindset and really redirect the way I think of success and achievement. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying I you know, don't care about achieving certain things and I'm not striving for success in my career and everything because I do have very big goals for myself, but that's not the only form of success. You know, like there are so many other things that can be considered successful if we just give them the time of day. And those are things like how well you slept last night and how many books you read, like the quote says. So that's definitely something I'm really trying to focus on. I don't really know how I'm going to reframe my mindset to think that way because it's a lot of undoing, like years and years and years of really only viewing success as this black and white job title, amount of money, major in college, that type of thing. So it's really hard to completely undo everything I've known and lived out for so long. But I guess the first step to all of it is recognizing that that's, you know, the way I have been living. And then now that I've, I'm aware of it, I can, you know, make that change going forward, hopefully. But it's not going to be an easy one, you know? My favorite this week is actually Whole Foods Coffee. And if you haven't had coffee from like the Whole Foods Market, definitely go try it. I got like a large coffee this morning, which it was large. It was a big boy coffee. And it was, I think, $7 and like 20 cents or something. And that was with, I mean, yes, that is expensive for sure. But that's about as much as it is at Starbucks. But it was better than Starbucks in my opinion. And maybe I just have a really good Whole Foods Market coffee bar. But it was a huge coffee, had four shots of espresso in it and oat milk. And it was around $7. But that same size and a little actually a little bit smaller of a coffee at like La La Land, which La La Land's local. So I do love me some La La Land and I'm not dissing on La La Land, but I would have paid $9 for that coffee at La La Land or like Siphon here in Houston. And not that the $2 on once a week on a Sunday, if that's when I'm getting it matters that much in the grand scheme of things. But I was, I guess I was pleasantly surprised because I was fully expecting my Whole Foods large iced coffee with oat milk to be like $10 and it wasn't. So I was like, oh, that's kind of comparable to Starbucks basically. But anyways, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been trying to just get coffee out once a week um, because I used to be like a three to four times a week person. And I've lately just been trying to keep it on the weekends, like on Saturday and Sunday, it's like my little treat. Um, But then when I go in office, I typically get a coffee just because it's actually faster for me to do a mobile order and pick up than it is for me to make my whole coffee ensemble at home. And I'm always like in a rush in the mornings when I'm going in office, but I don't really go in office that often. So um, it's two to three times a week on the weeks I go in office. But when I don't go in office, it's one to two. And this weekend I decided to go, I went to Whole Foods after I went to F45 this morning. And that's kind of my Sunday tradition. I go to F45 and then I go pick up groceries and like my curbside order and then I get a coffee from somewhere. And it's actually usually Starbucks just because that's just easiest typically. Um, But I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a Whole Foods Market coffee. And I've had one before, but it was when I was like in Dallas many summers ago. That literally doesn't even feel like it was my life when I think back on it. Um, But when I lived in Dallas for a summer in 2019, I had a Whole Foods um, right by where we lived. And I tried their coffee then and it was good, but I just haven't grown up. I didn't grow up with a Whole Foods and 
I am not used to going to one as a result. So because I'm not used to like actually going to them, I don't tend to go to them. But lately I've been going like every other week to get the Califia Farms cookie butter almond milk creamer because it is my ride or die creamer for making coffee at home. And it's right across the street from Trader Joe's. So I go to Trader Joe's like every other week too and just get like my few little things that I like to get from there. And then I'll usually run in the Whole Foods and grab my cookie butter creamer. But all that aside, I went into Whole Foods because I was actually returning some things from Amazon and today after F45 and I wanted to get one more bottle of the cookie butter creamer and I was like, you know what? I haven't had coffee yet and I was going to look for a place nearby, but I tend to put myself in situations where I accidentally end up in my car for like three hours of the day on the weekends because I get so stir crazy in my home during the week and just from working from home. So then on the weekends, I'm like, oh yeah, let's drive 20 minutes to go get a coffee. That's like absurd when you think about it because it ends up taking an hour out of my day. So I almost did that today. I was like, I'm going to go to La Land. And then I was like, okay, Abby, no, you don't need to go to La Land because that's going to take an hour out of your day. You always, I always, always, always feel like my Sundays just escape from me. No matter how much, how early I wake up, they just always end up escaping from me. And I was like, I really want to do my best to maximize my time today and going to La La Land and going way out of my way for coffee is not going to cut it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a coffee from the Whole Foods Market. And they have a strawberry mocha coffee right now that's special edition or limited edition. And I got that half sweet and it's like an ice or I got it iced half sweet and it's like a latte form and um, I got it with oat milk and it was so freaking good. It was so good. The girl made it so good and it was so funny because she had to make me wait because she had to make someone's juice and she felt bad. She was like, do you want an extra shot? And I was like, well, how many normally comes in a large? And I was thinking like three and she said four and I was like, oh my God, no, I cannot do an extra shot. And let me tell you me and my stomach, we've been tweaking since I've had that coffee. Um, and I'm not saying that in a good way. Like I, my, my stomach feels so uneasy because of the amount of coffee I had. I never really have coffee with four shots in it, especially when I haven't really ate anything. And I had only had Belvita's this morning. So my, I was just, I don't know, I've been tweaking and I'm kind of coming off of it now, but it was so good. And that's my favorite because I loved it and it reminded me of how good that coffee is. Will I be going to get one every week? No, but I love finding like new spots to get a coffee and it's convenient when it's somewhere I'm already going in to grab something. So that's my favorite this week. If you have a Whole Foods near you, definitely check out their coffee, their coffee bar because who knows? I mean, maybe yours isn't as good because it obviously depends on who's making the coffee, but I mean, the quality of the espresso was really good in my opinion. So I really liked it. And my gratitude for this week, I'm so thankful to have finally booked a photographer for the wedding. Holy cow. Um, I have been putting off booking things for so long because when it's like I would, I'll find a vendor for our wedding and then I'll be like, okay, like I want to use this person. And then I start, once I realize that means I have to pay a deposit, I'm like, okay, actually, I don't want to do this because <laughs> it's money. And I'm just like, I can't do this. So then I put it off. And then I'm like, okay, Abby, they're literally going to get taken if you don't do this. And I was putting off a photographer for so long because I actually had found a photographer that I really, really loved, honestly, back in like November or December. And I just told myself, I'm going to keep looking around. I don't want to book like the first person I find. 
and I really really love her and I put off booking a photographer for so long too because I think because I found her and had like talked to her I naturally as a people pleaser and an empath I started feeling really bad about booking somebody else and I now feel that way too about my day of coordinator because I have to get a day of coordinator for my venue and the first girl I talked to I absolutely loved her and we like had great conversation when we had a consultation and everything but I knew that I could probably find something cheaper than what she had quoted me like she was the cheapest I had found at that point and then I found someone else and I had a consultation with that other person and then I put off booking that other person because I felt bad about not using the person first person I talked to for that specific um, vendor so it's just it's just been really hard because I have like commitment issues when it comes to actually booking things one because it means oh I have to pay something right now and then two because it just I feel bad for the people that I end up not using so I felt terrible about about not using that one girl that I really loved and first found for photography but I ended up coming across someone that I can get more for the price because he doesn't charge like a travel fee and he isn't charging extra for New Year's Eve. And I don't think the other girl was either, but I get nine to 10 hours of photography included in the package, whereas I would have had to have paid for extra um, hours with the other person. And so it would have ended up being more. And I feel like his style of photography fits this specific day that with the wedding that I'm like really going for. And so it's not that I don't, that I like his photography necessarily more than the girl that I initially saw. It's just the style of photography. I have a very specific vision for the way I want the photos to look and his like really aligns with that. Whereas hers, if I was having like a spring or a summer wedding, or if I were, I actually think I'm going to use her when I need to book, um, or not when I need to book, when I end up reshooting the cover of the podcast, I think I'm going to use her for that. Because that's just, it's a very like springy, summery, light, airy, vintage kind of vibe. And that's just not the vibe that I want for my wedding pictures. But still, I love the pictures and her style of photography and she does great work. So I still plan on using her for the podcast, which I am so excited to not be like drowning in work with my full-time job because I cannot wait to get a new cover for this podcast because... I just am so ready to have something that's more professional and because if, if y'all have been here for a while, y'all know that we literally shot, my, my fiance literally took, he's not a photographer in any way, shape or form. He literally just takes my Instagram pictures and that's the extent of a photographer he is. But he took the current cover of my podcast cover and, or he took that photo and it was so dark because I was, it was like two days before we moved from Tuscaloosa to Texas and we were chaotically trying to pack and move. I had a specific day I wanted to launch the podcast rebrand. And in order to meet that, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get a picture taken. And I had originally like scheduled with a photographer in Tuscaloosa and he ended up not being able to do it, which was totally fine. But then like last minute, I was like, I need to get a new cover shot. And we took the picture literally outside of my apartment that you see now on the podcast. And taped a flower to the lens to give it like that floral that depth with the flower in the corner or whatever and I had to edit the living crap out of the picture in Lightroom to like brighten it up because it was like a very stormy afternoon and it was like five o'clock so it was 
normally would have been a good time to take a picture, but it wasn't. And we were in a hurry because we were going to meet some friends for dinner before we moved away. So it was like all this chaos. And I mean, I think the cover works, but it's not what I want for the podcast now, but it worked for the rebrand for the time being. So anyways, I'm really excited to get the pictures for that taken, but that was like a very, um, very side track conversation there. So sorry about that. But yeah, I am so thankful to finally have, um, photography booked. And I also just booked the day of coordinator today. So two vendors in one week, I'm so excited. And I really, my last things like big things that I really need the book are the DJ which I know who I want to use we just need to have a consultation and I need the book linens and that's like pretty much it for the big vendors so that's exciting I guess um and then if I end up wanting to do videography I'm so on the fence about it oh and makeup and hair so maybe I'm not almost done with the big vendors but I'm not 100% sure about makeup and hair if I'm like doing my own yet or not and I'm also not sure about videography. So if you have any insight about that, definitely DM and Bloom Podcast on Instagram and let's talk about it because I am so on the fence about both of those. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode all about the secret to unlocking more effective self-improvement. So just as a general disclaimer, um, I read an article on Harvard Business Review, which is hbr.org, by Tasha Yurik, and this episode contains some of her like research and ideas from the article and I just want to like put it out there I'm not claiming them to be my own original thoughts and I'll, I'll say like when something comes from the article um I'm just simply sharing my research that I did when I was planning this episode and how it applies to my own life so um a lot of this is like me talking and my thoughts but you will I will let you know when I'm referencing something from the article and I highly recommend reading it Um, Let me go ahead and give y'all the name of it because it is actually a very insightful article and I really, really enjoyed just reading it and I thought that it was a really great way for me to sort of organize my thoughts for this episode. Um, Reading it was really helpful for that. So the article name, I believe, is what self-awareness really is and how to cultivate it. So really just going through the true definition like psychological definition from an actual um, professional person that has researched this. Um, And it's a really insightful article if you want to read that on hbr.org. But let's go ahead and get into the episode. So in your 20s, (laughs) you go through a lot of change. And no matter how much you hear people tell you that you don't need to have things figured out it's really hard to shut off those thoughts that tell us we do need to have things figured out which is why as 20 somethings we are so heavily bought into everything surrounding self-improvement which I think is a great thing since it inspires so many of us to get uncomfortable and really learn who we are at our core break unhealthy patterns heal learn from our mistakes and ultimately get ourselves to being the best version of ourselves that we can be But sometimes no matter how consistent and committed you are to the craft of self-improvement, it can feel like the more you learn about yourself, the farther you actually end up from your true self. Because now you're in this weird position of knowing who you truly are, but you're still falling victim to the habits you developed when you didn't know who you are. So you get stuck in this vicious cycle of doing things and making decisions that are in alignment with a version of you that existed before you knew your true self. 
And repeatedly doing this can feel like you're trying to force the same two poles of a magnet together where you're just really, really forcing it. And no matter how hard you try, like it just, you keep ending up farther away and you can't get things aligned. And it can be super frustrating to feel like you have all the ingredients for effective self-improvement just to find yourself running into the same problems time and time again. And in an effort to be more self-aware and in tune with my thoughts and emotions and just be better about not shoving my emotions under the rug, y'all know I mentioned in my one of my early episodes from this year uh, surrounding New Year's that one of my goals was to journal once a week. And two weeks ago, I was going to journal and I f- literally sat there. I opened my journal and I was just like, I s- genuinely just don't have the energy to be introspective right now. And it was an epiphany moment and I had the thought as I was sitting there staring at the blank pages of my journal, maybe I'm too self-aware because I just don't want to engage in more analysis right now with myself and I feel like I'm constantly dissecting every single thought and every feeling at all times and the last thing I wanted to do in that moment is do more of that when I would be journaling And then I started thinking to myself, wait, do I even know what self-awareness truly means? Because I was sitting there like, oh, I'm too self-aware. And then I was like, if I'm too self-aware, then why do I have all of these problems with like people pleasing and being a perfectionist? Because that just doesn't really seem like something a self-aware person or extremely self-aware person would struggle with. So I was going down this rabbit hole in my head and then I was like, I need to look this up. (laughs) And I did some digging and most websites will tell you that self-awareness isn't as black and white as how aware we are of our thoughts and feelings. Like it's not that black and white. Self-awareness actually has two layers. So external, meaning our understanding of the way others perceive us and internal, meaning our awareness of our own values, desires, thoughts, feelings, goals, etc. So the hbr.org article that I mentioned really talks about, you know, defining self-awareness. And like I said, I'll be sharing snippets of that throughout today's episode, but they really explain that self-awareness is ultimately this balance of internal and external self-awareness. And it's not one or the other. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they aren't necessarily related. So I started questioning if I was actually as self-aware as I thought I was when I started reading about self-awareness. And there's actually a statistic in the article that says 95% of people believe they are very self-aware, but only 15% of people are actually very self-aware, which, or it's something along the lines of that, but those were the percentages, I believe. And that's just so mind-boggling to me that like 95% of us are walking around thinking we are these self-aware beings and mm, nope, only 15% of us actually are. That's just so crazy to me, but I'm one of those people. I'm literally one of those people. And I've always thought my inclination to be introspective and my tendency to overthink and analyze and research everything meant I was overly self-aware. But it turns out that introspective behavior is indicative of low internal self-awareness, 
which made everything click for me. And I realized I had it all backwards. If you would have asked me before I had looked this up, I would have thought I had high internal self-awareness because of all of this overthinking and analyzing and introspective nature and low external self-awareness. And you all know I struggle with being a people-pleasing perfectionist, which actually is evidence of my high external self-awareness. So just because I have high external self-awareness doesn't mean I have high internal self-awareness. And to elaborate further, the article says the following, we found that internal self-awareness is associated with higher job and relationship satisfaction, personal and social control, and happiness. It is negatively related to anxiety, stress, and depression. And when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. So that's why I like am a very anxious person. I stress out a lot and I feel like I rob myself of my own happiness a lot of times. And that really made me realize I've had this backwards and I'm actually somebody with very low self-awareness internally and very high external self-awareness. The article goes on to say the second category, external self-awareness, means understanding how other people view us in terms of those same factors listed above. Our research shows that people who know how others see them are more skilled at showing empathy and taking others' perspectives. So with this research-backed statement, it makes sense that people-pleasers like myself have high external self-awareness since they are always considering other people's perspectives and feelings, and it makes sense that those with high internal self-awareness are less likely to struggle with anxiety, stress, and depression. And literally, just like I was mentioning when I was talking about my gratitude, being thankful to finally have booked a photographer, I was literally sitting there saying how I struggle because I feel bad not booking somebody that I talked to because I felt like I led them on. And that in and of itself is indicative of my high external self-awareness because I am showing empathy and I'm taking others' perspectives into hand because I'm thinking about how it makes them feel. And then the article goes on as well to discuss the misconception that I had, which is apparently very common, regarding self-awareness and introspection. And it states the following, Yet one of the most surprising findings of our research is that people who introspect are less self-aware and report worse job satisfaction and well-being. Which, hello, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Like, (laughs) I had no idea that introspection and like low self-awareness went hand in hand and that somebody who's very introspective tends to be less self-aware. So anyways, I've come to realize that constant introspection, which like I said, I used to think was indicative of too much self-awareness, really just turns yourself into a project that is quite literally always in progress. So you never allow yourself to just be and live in the moment because even when things are good and fine, you've developed the habit of looking for something to improve or fix. And it is exhausting living a life where you never allow yourself to be present or content and never accept yourself as is because you're always expecting more or looking for something to fix. So while introspection is good and can lead to self-awareness, In my experience, too much introspection, especially if you have high external self-awareness, can lead to focusing too much on an ideal or hypothetical version of yourself that you want others to see, while true self-awareness focuses on authenticity. And I really feel like this is very important to point out and just 
take a moment and digest because so much self-improvement content is centered around a specific looking lifestyle and aesthetic. And it's centered around that girl. And it's centered around having this morning routine, having these products and looking a certain way, right? That is all image focused and all based in how you want others to perceive you and isn't it isn't reflective of true self-awareness because true self-awareness is going to focus on authenticity and accepting yourself as is and allowing yourself to be in the moment whereas you know not having great self-awareness is going to be situations where you're always striving for this hypothetical version of yourself or an ideal. And I'm not saying you can't have this goal of how you want to look and you can't, you know, put in your journal that you want to achieve a certain job or a certain lifestyle. You can do all of those things, but you just have to be careful because if you're somebody who does not have strong internal self-awareness, it can turn into something that is actually counterproductive when it comes to improving and being more effective in your self-improvement. And that's just a really important point to make, I think. And I also think that if you're somebody who is engaging in constant introspection or you feel like you're always working on yourself and never accepting yourself as is, if you get to that point with your with yourself, you're going to eventually get to the point where in your interpersonal relationships with other people and with friends, with siblings, family, relationships, whatever, you're going to get to the point where you can't accept others as they are and you have an idea of who that you want them to be in your head and are holding them to a standard that they may not even know exists and that's not fair to that person. So it can really turn into something more than what it is if you're not careful. So I wanted to talk about how I plan on improving my internal self-awareness now that I know the true definition of self-awareness and have learned that my external self-awareness is fine, but my internal self-awareness needs some work, which it's just so crazy to me that I have, I don't want to say I've lived my whole life thinking this way because honestly, this isn't something that I thought about until probably like the last year of my life. So for the last year, I've been sitting here thinking I am somebody who is so self-aware and in tune with my thoughts and emotions and everything. And while I may be in tune with my thoughts and emotions, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have high internal self-awareness. And I've had it backwards this whole time thinking that I didn't have high, or thinking that I had high internal self-awareness when I actually don't. So I'm mainly going to be focusing on high internal self-awareness and what I'm doing to improve my internal self-awareness because that is what I struggle with more. You may be someone who feel you feel like you have high internal self-awareness and low external self-awareness. And if that's the case, I still encourage you to listen to this because I think it could be helpful for you, especially if you're someone who hasn't even really thought about this before. And if you want to know even more, then definitely go read that article on HBR because it goes so much further into detail than what how far I'm going and I'm more so focusing on how I'm planning on improving my internal self-awareness whereas that article is very this is what true self-awareness is and here's the research behind it here are the different types of self-aware people it like literally has a two by two matrix of different types of 
people based on your self-awareness and I am the pleaser for sure which is on the matrix it's on the low internal self-awareness and high external self-awareness but there's four different types so definitely go look at that so you can see which type you are it's not like a quiz or anything you just look at it and I was able to like point out which one I was just by reading the definitions of each one very easily so the very first thing that I plan to do for improving my internal self-awareness to unlock more effective self-improvement and just be more successful in my self-improvement journey is to stop trying to live moments out in a specific cookie cutter way. So letting go of aesthetics and expectations. And I am somebody who tends to overanalyze upcoming plans and events. So I will think of hypothetical scenarios for things that haven't even happened yet. I will dwell on outcomes that haven't happened yet. So if I'm if I know that something's coming up, I'm going to be more than likely dwelling on the worst case scenario. And as a defense mechanism, I like to think myself through worst case scenarios to prepare myself for that failure to hopefully, I think that dwelling on the worst case scenario basically is going to keep me from experiencing it. And it's a defense mechanism. And that's just something I tend to habitually do. And I will also be somebody that has strict expectations for the way I expect moments to look, which really keeps me from living authentically and in alignment with my values because I'm so focused on how things look to others rather than how they actually are for myself. And it forces me to strategically make decisions driven by my habitual people-pleasing and it makes me focus on external self-awareness instead. And just letting things happen without too much thought or analysis is what I'm striving for now. And that is what forces me to break that habit of strategically making decisions based on my people pleasing. And I can instead make decisions that help me focus on internal self-awareness and make decisions based on what is in alignment with my values and who I actually am rather than making decisions and living in moments based on something I've overanalyzed and overthought, which at that point, it's no longer of myself and is instead in alignment with the way I want others to perceive me since that's what I've always habitually done. So it's really about breaking a habit here because my habit and what I tend to always go towards is making decisions based on how things are going to look to other people and what other people may think. And breaking that habit is not something that's going to be easy and it's going to be uncomfortable, but I have to be okay with that if I'm wanting to get to the point of developing stronger internal self-awareness and being able to actually accept myself as I am and being able to make decisions based off of my values instead of how I want others to perceive me or how I think they're perceiving me. And the second thing that I'm doing to improve my internal self-awareness is to Focus on accepting myself as I am instead of who I want others to see me as, which this is a continuation basically of the last point. But I think a big thing here is accepting myself as I am, even if that means initially not liking a part of who I am when I'm getting honest with myself. And I can practice self-compassion and figure out what it is about that trait that I don't like and do my best to either accept it or improve it. But at the end of the day, I would rather accept myself as I authentically am, the good, the bad, the ugly, than not be true to myself 
in an effort to appeal to as many people as possible, you know? And each time I've been honest with myself and put myself in a position to get uncomfortable with the things about myself that I maybe don't like, I've always come out on the other side feeling more connected with myself and like a better person because I took the time to accept it and decide what to do with it and move forward rather than pretending, oh, that's not actually me and continuing to be a fabricated version of myself living in denial that I possessed a trait that isn't very likable for myself or for other people. And I think that this is something that comes with just growing up and becoming more mature mentally and emotionally. And I think that when I was like a late teenager and in my early 20s, I was very in denial of certain traits I had, especially in friendships and relationships. And it's it, it really is because partially because I was, I am a perfectionist. So it was hard for me to accept, like, I'm, I really care about this person and I'm doing all I can to show that and let that be known. But just because I really care about that person, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have faults in trying to care for them and that I don't have maybe some habits or some traits that aren't necessarily the best for a relationship or for a friendship. And part of becoming more emotionally and mentally mature is realizing, hey, I I have this tendency or I have this trait and it's not the healthiest thing or it's not the best thing for a relationship or friendship and becoming aware of that and, you know, accepting it that that's, you know, that's been your pattern and your habit, but it doesn't have to be. And, you know, yes, you can accept yourself as that way and not do anything about it but you know obviously if you're wanting to improve your relationships and improve your friendships you can accept it and then do your best to reframe it and you know turn it into something that's more healthy or just better and that is really hard to accept sometimes because it takes getting uncomfortable and undoing things that are habitual for you and you know really making a conscious effort to break a habit And accepting yourself doesn't mean, I mean, it means accepting yourself as you are, obviously, but that doesn't mean that you don't make any changes for the things that need changing. I think accepting yourself is all about, you know, really seeing yourself for the good, the bad, the ugly, like I said, and, you know, taking that in and saying, you know, this may be the way I am right now, but it's not how I always have to be. And I don't have to change myself for myself or for anyone, but what what do I want to do in order to align myself with my values? Because maybe some of those traits you adopted out of, you know, out of misalignment with yourself. They weren't of they weren't reflective of your true values, but maybe you developed them as a defense mechanism when you were younger or as a coping strategy when you were younger or Maybe you were, you know, just somebody who didn't really, you weren't in tune with your emotions growing up or you didn't feel like you could express them growing up. And as a result, you've developed these traits and habits that aren't really true to you because they're not of, they're not coming from a place where you developed them when you were in alignment with yourself. So it's all about getting back to your true self because along the way, Sometimes we pick up things that aren't actually of ourselves. So I think accepting yourself has a lot to do with, yes, you're seeing yourself as you are, good, bad, and ugly, but you know which things 
are traits that are truly, truly reflective of you and your values and which things are things that you've just picked up along the way that, you know, maybe could take some fixing or some patching up, you know? The next thing for improving my internal self-awareness so that I can have more effective self-improvement is revisiting my values and turning to them instead of the opinions or how I think others will perceive me each time I have to make a decision that will have a noticeable impact on my life. So basically just making decisions for my authentic self instead of for other people or for the approval of others or for the sake of achievement, whatever it may be. Because I have made basically most of my larger life decisions based on how other people are going to see me or out of the fear of you know not being accepted or as I actually am and just doing things that will basically give me the most applause and recognition and that's just an issue I have and you all know that if you've been listening for a long time so now I know my I literally talk about values all the time because it turns out they are so fundamental to our existence and our mental health and our day-to-day life and in our journey to becoming the most true authentic and best version of ourselves if you don't have your values identified you're really going to struggle getting to a place where you can be your most authentic self because if you don't know what your values are then you're likely living a life that is aligned with somebody else's values instead of your own so i can't emphasize enough the importance of doing a value assessment there's so many online you can literally google them and find out you know how to do them for free i did mine in therapy like you all know and it changed my life because it allowed me to undo so many things that I have told myself that I care about that I don't actually care about and I only was prioritizing them for the sake of how they look to others and for the approval of others and I was able to get back to myself and say, what do I as a person actually value and care care about? And now that I know that, I'm able to do my best to make decisions to live in alignment with that but just because I identified those values, it wasn't an overnight thing where, oh, now I know what my values are. So now I can live a life that's, you know, as authentically me as possible. Because no, I have developed habits that are totally not in alignment with my actual values. So now I'm having to undo those habits and then learn how to make decisions and do things that are in alignment with my actual values. So it's a process to say the least. But Anytime I get presented now with a decision that will be impactful in multiple areas of my life, whether it's like a ripple effect type of um, thing or if it's just something that's going to be a huge like overnight change, no matter how much change or how soon the change is, if it's going to cause some friction and some change in my life and really if it's just a decision in general. I say if it's going to make a big change in my life, but honestly, I don't even want to say that. If it's a decision at the end of the day, I want to be making it in alignment with my true self and my values and not based on the opinions of others or how others will perceive me. However, there are some decisions that I do think it is important that you take into consideration other people's perspective. You don't want to just be this like ignorant human being and just never take into account other people's perspectives, especially when those other people are being affected by your decision. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, decisions that are mine to make, 
that those kind of decisions, I guess. I don't want to sit here and say like, never consider other people when you're making decisions because that's a recipe for disaster for sure. But just my personal decisions that are mine to make, making them for my authentic self and just turning to my values. So each time I have one of those decisions to make, you know, pausing for a second and saying, okay, let's look at my values and literally quite literally looking at them in my notes app because that's where I have them and looking at them on paper or wherever they are and staring at them and asking myself, you know, which choice or which decision can I make that's going to align with these values because that is who I am at my core and that will help me, you know, get to a place where I am developing stronger internal self-awareness if I am making decisions for my true self and that will help me not only rely on my external self-awareness which is I think what I do now and it will allow me to build up that internal self-awareness and next last but not least is all about the self-reflection and introspection that I was talking about earlier when it comes to the self-reflection and introspection especially when doing things like reflecting on life and past decisions you've made or journaling, whatever it may be, ask yourself what instead of why for increasing your internal self-awareness. The article talks about this a lot and there have actually been articles that reference this article and talk about this as well too because I also came across some of those and that's how profound of a concept this is. But the article talks about how asking ourselves why when we reflect, puts us in a position where we're trying to solve and find an answer for things that are often part of our subconscious mind, which we will never truly objectively understand or have access to. And as a result, we end up coming up with our own answers because we can't tap into that subconscious and find out what our subconscious is actually saying or what's actually going on in there. So we end up you know, saying, oh, okay, like, yeah, this this is what I feel is the answer. But it actually may be wrong because we're basing them off of our own feelings, which are obviously going to have some bias. So we're going to convince ourselves that something is objective and right when we're asking ourselves why, when in reality, it may not actually be as objective or right as we think it is because it's something that we've convinced ourselves is right since we can't actually tap into that subconscious. When we do that and come up with our own answers, we don't really realize we're doing that. But what ends up happening, you know, all of a sudden our thoughts aren't as insightful and true as we think they are. So asking what instead of why keeps us from trying to make sense of and understand our subconscious and inadvertently convincing ourselves that we're right when we're really not. And asking ourselves what allows us to identify objective truths in our lives that will ultimately help us solve our own problems and increase our internal self-awareness instead of constantly running into the same problem time and time again because we've convinced ourselves something is right when it really isn't. And research shows that why questions, when you're asking yourself why, tend to focus on the negative and we tend to highlight our shortcomings and our insecurities more which can result in a toxic cycle of really allowing your self-critic to take the wheel more than it should when it comes to introspection. Whereas the what questions allow room for possibility, they're less black and white, and they keep us thinking about the future more instead of resorting to dwelling on the past. 
And that's why what questions are so much more important and so much more effective to ask than why questions when it comes to self-reflection and introspection. And asking yourself what instead of why can look like the following. So asking yourself, what does this mean to me? Rather than why do I care about blank? Or asking yourself, what do people think about me? Instead of why do people think blank about me? See how asking what lends itself to finding an absolute or an objective truth rather than trying to come up with a truth based on us trying to understand something that we simply cannot and will not ever be able to understand. And I think that this is going to be huge for me going forward and I really just need to make as much of an effort as I possibly can to remember this because I am 1000% a why person. I'm always asking, you know, why do I feel this way or why do I feel like I'm not good enough or why do I feel like blah, 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 blah. And just always asking why. And if I could just stop when it comes to my (laughs) overanalyzing and my overthinking and my self-reflection, if I could just stop and reframe everything to a what-based question instead of a why-based question, I will really be able to break the cycle of always feeling like I'm running into the same thought patterns and same problems because it truly does feel like with self-improvement for me sometimes that I'm just on this hamster wheel and I'll think that I've got it figured out. I'm like, I'm doing all the things, you know, I'm journaling, I'm taking care of my body and my mind by working out and getting sunshine and staying hydrated. I'm doing all these things and I'm taking care of myself. So why am I not, you know, feeling better mentally? Why am I not in a better place. And a lot of it is because I'm literally on this hamster wheel and I'm always, you know, like why, 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 which causes me to always revisit past things and things I've done wrong or insecurities and just highlight all of the wrong things that end up turning me into hating on myself basically because it puts me in self-critic mode instead of just looking for the objective truths by asking myself what instead of why. And I think that Asking yourself what is the first step to getting off of the ham- well, it's not the first step, but it's one of the steps to getting off of the hamster wheel and getting in a position where you can really start having more effective self improvement and improving that internal self awareness because you're not going to be so focused on something that you can't really find an answer to. So, that is the last thing for improving and having more effective self-improvement so I hope you all enjoyed this episode and once again shout out to that article on hbr.org by Tasha Yurik and it was just really eye-opening so I really love when I find things that I can use to help back my thoughts and what I'm trying to say in an episode so once again I'm not taking credit for everything I referenced from the article at all I'm just sharing how the article aligns with and supports my thoughts so I hope that this I hope that this episode was helpful for you all and that it inspires you to look at self-improvement through a different lens and hopefully really take some time to reflect on self-awareness and ask yourself, you know, where do you feel like your self-awareness is lacking? Is it in the external or external external or external? Is it in the external or internal? And then taking the steps necessary to improve the self-awareness that you feel like you don't have a lot of so that you can unlock more effective self-improvement because you can't really 
improve yourself if you're not really aware of yourself and being aware of yourself ultimately boils down to that internal versus external and figuring out which one you know needs that more help I guess but like I said hopefully this episode was helpful for y'all and I love you guys thank you so much for listening and I hope you all have an incredible rest of your day when you're listening to this and a great week and I will talk to y'all next Monday be sure to follow in bloom podcast on Instagram It's just at Bloom Podcast. And if you enjoy my content and want more from me, I upload on YouTube once a week and my channel is just my name. And join the Bloom Podcast Facebook group as well if you want. And I'll talk to you all next week.